Hello, and welcome to the Crossroads Podcast, the show where Mark Meckler and Rita Peters discuss hot-button issues from a biblical perspective, helping to equip other Christians to bring light to a darkened culture. Rita is the Senior Vice President of Legislative Affairs, and Mark serves as the CEO and co-founder for Convention of States Action. Find out more by visiting conventionofstates.com slash pod. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Crossroads, where faith and culture meet. I'm your host, Rita Peters, and I've learned that I will be going solo as host again this week and next week, but then our co-host, Mark Meckler, will be back with us after that. So stay tuned. He, he will return. We are continuing today with our journey through the book, Servant Leadership, by David Kuhnert. If you're just joining us for the first time in this series, we're talking about servant leadership because it is practical training to help us maximize our impact, not only on our families and our friends and our colleagues, but also on the culture around us. And that really is what we aim to do with the Crossroads radio program. Now, you can find the book Servant Leadership on Amazon, and I encourage you to pick it up. The author, again, is David Kuhnert, and it's spelled K-U-H-N-E-R-T. The book is super easy to read. It is totally practical, and it has been transformational for me and for each of the guests who have been on the program already to talk about it. Today, we are on chapter eight, which is called The Two Circles. And to work through this chapter with us, we have back Jenny Rapini from California. Now, if you missed last week's program with Jenny, she is a dear, dear friend of mine, even though she does live in California on the other Mm -hmm. side of the country. (laughs) Um, Jenny is a full-time volunteer with Convention of States, which of course is the organization Mark Meckler and I both work for. And Jenny is a leader of our grassroots and our mentoring department. She has walked many people through our servant leadership training program, and she regularly leads all kinds of wonderful women's Bible studies. Jenny, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's so glad to be back. And uh, the next two chapters are two of my most favorite chapters. You mentioned something about the book being transformational, and 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 the book in and of itself isn't transformational. The principles that are in the book when applied to your life will be transformational. And it is amazing to see what God can do when we take these principles them to our lives, he will transform us. And these next two chapters are two of my, I have three favorite chapters, chapter six, and then chapter eight and nine are my favorites. Well, then you are the best possible person (laughs) to do chapters eight and nine with us. And you will be back with us next week for chapter nine. But let's dive right into chapter eight today. I want to start again this week with the quote that David uses to open the chapter. It says, we are not born a winner or a loser. However, we are born a chooser. 
What does yeah. that mean, Jenny? Well, so often we think that happiness is determined by my outward circumstances. If my bank account is full, I'm going to be happy. If my kids are well behaved and follow my lead, I'm going to really be happy. If my spouse loves me unconditionally all the time, I'm going to be happy and, and so on. But you know, that's a lie. We're saying then that creation can make me happy. And unfortunately, creation will let us down. It's when we choose to look beyond ourselves to the creator or find that deep joy and real happiness that's ours. And, it, and it, it's not in spite of our circumstances. It's because of our circumstances. No matter what the circumstances are, whether they're good or they're bad, they're difficult, they're easy. Because of these that we become who God wants us to be. Because Jesus told us in the world, you might have, oh no, that's not the way that's written. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. It's how I respond to it that's going to determine my joy that only can come from within. It does not come out. Think how excited you are when you buy a new car. Well, how long does that excitement last? When you have to fill the tank of gas, then it's not so exciting anymore. So I choose to uh, let things ruin my day or people ruin my day. I choose to do that. Or I can choose to find the lesson or yes, even the gift that's in the circumstance that I face. Instead of asking the question, why is this happening to me? Learn to ask him, not even what is the lesson, but what is the gift that you have in it for me? So circumstances might bring us a very temporary joy, but if you really want that joy and peace that comes from deep within, that isn't going to be found in anything in the creation. It's only going to be found in the creator. And you make that choice. It's a choice that we make. <clears throat> that is a great um, explanation, Jenny. And, you know, if we look around us, we really can see or find lots of examples of people rising above terrible circumstances and situations. And sometimes you wonder, how is that possible? You know, we're all we're all given different circumstances, different backgrounds. We're, we don't all come into the world with the same level of resources, the same talents, the same advantages. And it's really amazing how some people come into the world with very little and you see how far they go and how much they make of how little they've been given. Now, David uses a great story right early in this chapter as an example. He calls it the story of the hapless bartender. Can you summarize that for us? Yeah, I'll just summarize it as uh, Lincoln was in business with another man. The other man went in debt. Lincoln got caught with his debts. And when he tried to uh, have to not be responsible for his debts, the judge challenged him and said, hey, maybe you can learn from this. And maybe then you if you don't think the law is fair, then you become a lawmaker. 
So that's really summarizing it. That's the short and cliff note version of it. But, but what he is saying here is when someone has wronged you, instead of, instead of looking at what they have done to hurt you or to wrong you, again, here's that saying, what is the gift in it for me? And Lincoln didn't get the, the, the wrong, um, he, he didn't get defined by the wrong that his partner did to him. Instead, he chose how he was going to behave. He made a choice to not let that man and the wrong that he did to him ruin his life, ruin the direction of his life, or determine how he was going to behave in, in, a, in a poor manner. Instead, he chose to do what was the right thing to do, even though he didn't need to do that, but he chose to do it. He took care of him doing the right thing because he can't control anybody but himself. When somebody wrongs us, I can't fix them, but I can fix my attitude and my behavior and my reactions to it. I can make sure that because someone has wronged me that I don't go and do something wrong too. So many times we get put in a situation where we're in the right and someone else is in the wrong, but then our behavior in that situation puts us equally in the wrong. You know, just because uh, somebody has done something wrong does not give you the right to do something wrong. You choose to do what's right, no matter what other people do or do even do to you. Because as we learned before, that is one of the things that I control is my action, mm -hmm. even though I didn't get to control what was done to me. Okay, let's get into it now, Jenny, right into the heart of it. Tell us about yes. the two circles that this chapter is all about. All right, they're talking about two circles, the victim circle and the choice circle. I like to refer to the choice circle as the freedom circle, but we'll use their words here. <clears throat> so let's look at the victim circle first. When you're in the victim circle, you're choosing to focus on external forces and how they affect me, how they affect me. A, a person that's in the victim cir circle is going to say things like, so-and-so made me so mad. No, so-and-so didn't make you mad. You gave permission to so-and-so to make you mad, to make you react in that way. And, and that's, a lot, that's as logical as saying that so-and-so made me poop my pants. I mean, come on. I'm going to give you an example of how subtle becoming a victim can be. And I, I do this in the servant leadership classes. I share a lot of my own dirty laundry. So... Um, Recently, I, in, within the past two years, I have been faced with a, uh, um, a disability that has me in a motorized chair that I can race around in at times, but it has restricted me in some ways. And Dell and I were at my granddaughter's dance recital, and we had a long way to go. So I go up the ramp, and I came around. We got in line. I get into the lobby only to find out that I had to leave my chair at the door because there were steps 
down to the chairs. And of course, I couldn't take my chair down those steps. So Dell is helping me get down these steps. And you know how people will stand in a doorway and talk, or they'll stand in an aisle, in the middle of an aisle and talk, and you're, you try to get around. Well, that kind of happened here. There were parents, other parents that were there, and they were standing there on the steps talking. And, and Dell's trying to get me around them without me falling all over them. And I, I thought to myself, they are so rude. Don't they see that I am trying to get down these steps? <laughs> now, that sounds like, well, that's not a big deal. But that I, I became a victim in that moment. I choose to complain about their behavior and vilify their behavior. And it became all about me. Mm. Now, that may sound small, but you know what? Small things... That if I would have stayed in that victim circle, fortunately, when I sat down, uh, God said to me, Jenny, 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 get over yourself. Um, and realize it's not all about you. So, but if I didn't do that, it makes it easier the next time to be a victim. And the next time until instead of having Goliath as a baby in my arms, he becomes this nine foot giant that mm. I can't control anymore. So, a victim is someone who feels like <clears throat> they have no choices. They take the position that for them to be okay, things around them need to change. Being the victim is all about me. And it's when it's all about me, now get this, that's pride. Mm. It's pride and self that's at the root of all that. I want all the attention on me. Now, before I move to the choice circle, I do want to mention that there are terrible things that many of us have truly been victims of. Sure. I was listening to a radio show one time and the, the host of the radio show was interviewing crime victims and he was introducing this one gal as a rape victim. And she said, so he turned it over to her and she said, well, before I get into my story, I want you to let you know, I am not a rape victim. Mm. I am a rape survivor. Wow. I am not going to allow what that man did to me define who I am. Mm. And so we need to still take responsibility for the choices that we make. What happens to us doesn't need to define who we are. Another example of that, if you can remember back in 2015 in Georgia, uh, Dylan Roof was, uh, has now been convicted for the mass shooting at a, a black church in Georgia. And when it came time for his sentencing, um, Dylan, who had killed nine people and injured many more, one man whose wife was shot point blank right in front of him. During the time of sentencing, he went up to him and he looked him in the eye and he said to him, I forgive you. I forgive you because Jesus has forgiven me. And I want you to experience the same liberation of grace and mercy that he has for you. Um, he chose not to be the victim. He chose to be free from the resentment and the bitterness and that 
that need to feel sorry for yourself and to live in that tragedy for the rest of his life. The mindset of choice now is completely opposite of that. It focuses on our ability to influence the circumstances around us. We take responsibility for the choices that we make. We own the attitude and the behavior. We don't blame others for what is going on in our life. We're not driven by emotion. We're driven by our values. When mm. we're in that choice circle, I choose to be set free from the harm others have done to me. Mm. That's a choice I make. Happiness is a choice. There is an old book out. I, I think it was from the 60s. And I don't even know if it's still in print. I read it back in the 70s. And it's called <laughs> Happiness is a Choice. Mm. And it is. I choose to be happy or I choose to be miserable. And when I am miserable, I want other people to be miserable with me. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So when you started by talking about the victim circle, you said the victim circle is when I'm focused on how circumstances affect me. So with the choice circle, would you say that's about how I can affect my circumstances or how, how do you describe the other circle? What is our attitude there? The attitude is to not be there is to not be in the victim circle. And I can think <laughs> of some times where I have been faced with difficulty with um, somebody has done something that has hurt me. And I know that God does not want me to harbor resentment and bitterness to that person. And I have to go into, and I know you guys have talked about this already, of system thinking. Mm -hmm. And I go into my system three thinking. Mm -hmm. And that is prayer. And yeah. I, ha I have this thing called whack-a-mole praying. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. So if, let's just say somebody has hurt me deeply. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself kind of drawing into myself. And yet I know this isn't where God wants me. I will pray and ask God, help me to get a better perspective of this. Help me to see things the way you see them. And, and peace will come over me. But 10 minutes later, that little woe will come back up again. And I'll have that. I'll have fear or I'll have anxiety or I'll have, here's what I want to say to them. And I'll, I'll again go to God and say, please take these thoughts from me. These thoughts are not from you. Fear is not from you. Anger is not from you. Bitterness is not from you. Take these away. He'll take them away. And up it pops another. And every time that mole pops up, I have to whack it with prayer. And that happens, happens frequently with me. And at the beginning, you know, 10 minutes will go by and I got to whack it again. Another 10 minutes goes by and I whack it again. But pretty soon a week will go by and you'll go, oh, my goodness, I haven't had to deal with that. I just every time those negative thoughts come into your head, you pray and ask God to bring your thoughts into alignment with him. We are to have the mind of Christ. And so how can I look at them? How can I look at the circumstance through his mind? And that helps to keep me out of the victim circle. Again, it's a choice. Everything is a choice that we make. Yeah. And sometimes it's easier to stay in that victim circle. Yes. 
Now, I wonder, is it hard? It can be easy to see sometimes someone else as being in the victim circle. It can be fairly easy to recognize that kind of pattern in our friends, family, loved ones. But Jenny, is it ever hard for us to know that we are stuck in the victim circle? What are some what are some cues that can um, let us know we're stuck in the victim circle and we need our systems three thinking and we need to pray and get out of the victim circle? Well, you're right. If we're in denial, uh, we'll, we can be blind to the fact that we're in the victim circle and that we're operating operating freely in there and very comfortably in there, by the way. And uh, I, so here's some of the signs. If you're quick to blame, hmm. so-and-so did this or so-and-so was uh, hurtful to me. When you start, when it starts all revolving around you, hmm. you're quick to blame other people. Why do all these bad things happen to me? Oh, man, woe is me. Another one is, are you defensive? When someone tries to help you or someone gives you some constructive criticism, are you defensive? When someone comes to you and, and shares their heart with you, and it may be, Maybe you own some of the need to own some of the responsibility for how they feel, but you become defensive. Here's an example of being defensive. Um, let's just say you come to me and you say to me, you know, Jenny, um, I asked you to do this and you didn't do it. And it really let me down. And and uh, I, I, I just want to why. Well, I didn't get that done, but look at the other things that I did. I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Oh, no. Then you're being a victim because you're trying to teach yourself. So, hey, go ahead. That cut out for me. Can you say that again? Say, you're, start with, you're being a victim because. When you're defensive. When if, if you came to me and said I had hurt you in some way and I said, you know, I'm sorry that hurt you. But look at all these good things that I've done. I bring out my book of righteousness instead of saying owning it and saying, you know, I'm sorry I hurt you. Um, intend to do it, even if you didn't know you did it, just own it and apologize for it. And it's over. But when we get defensive, we're protecting ourselves mm. because us. Another thing, a sign of being in the victim circle is: Do you manipulate, or do you try to manipulate people and circumstances? Uh, sometimes people will try to manipulate you. Say, uh, <clears throat> Gee, I'm sorry. I know we were supposed to get together for dinner uh, tomorrow night, but I'm just not going to be able to make it. Oh, that is so disappointing that you're not going to be able to I was really counting on you to be there. It's really so sad. I, I, I really don't know how I'm going to handle you not being there. Don't try to manipulate people into feeling guilty. Uh, that's another sign of victimization there. So there's a lot of little things that you need, just like the feeling that I had when those people were standing on the steps. Don't you know that going down these steps is hard for me? No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's funny how we can do that. Um, oh, yes, because okay. it's all about us. <laughs> right, right. And they should know that. So, Absolutely. <laughs> Jenny, I want to ask you, let's say I, I recognize that a colleague, a loved one, maybe one of my children is stuck in the victim circle. How can I gently prompt them to get out of the victim circle? What are some things I can can say or do? Well, the the one thing you do not want to do is to ignore their bad behavior. Mm. You want to gently help them. You want to but but do not do not give them sympathy. You know, when when this disability first came on me, some people said to me, oh, you poor thing. Oh, man, your life's going to change. It's going to be awful. You're so used to doing this. And now you get don't do that. Yeah. Crush people with sympathy. Instead, Mm. what I wanted was someone to say, "Okay, so you can't do this anymore. Let's go do this. Come on, I'll go with you. I'm here alongside you. I'm here to help you. Mm. I'm not here to let you stay here. We're here to move forward together. So when you see somebody that is stuck in that victim circle, sometimes some people are so entrenched there, they've lived their, their whole life. They don't want to be out of it. It is their circle of comfort. And it's they're very difficult to be around. Mm. But when you see it just happen because of an incident, um, You want to help people learn how to get through things, not get stuck in them. Mm. I got stuck in the victim circle for years, and I finally had to realize I am not going to let what this person did define who I am. And Mm. it's a choice you have to make, and it is a hard choice, and it helps when you have people coming alongside you, not giving you sympathy, giving you empathy, saying, Mm. hey, I'm going to walk alongside you. We're going to do this together. I'm here to help. I'm here for you. Mm. Well, Jenny, I can't believe we're almost out of time, but the chapter ends with the story of Jonah. So some of our listeners might not be familiar with the story of Jonah. Can you briefly walk us through the high points and tell us what we can learn from it that is relevant here? Okay, there's a little bit of Jonah in every one of us. How much time do I have? Uh, three minutes. <laughs> okay, all right. There's a little bit of Jonah in each one of us. You guys are going to have to listen fast. All right, but he was a victim from start to finish. Now, in all fairness to him, when he was first called to go to Nineveh, and he, you know, he's in Israel, and he was called to go to Nineveh and to basically, in our terminology today, preach the gospel so that they could find salvation in the Lord and, and be forgiven of their sins. And, and now Nineveh had perfected the art of skinning people alive, skinning people, keeping them alive for a long time so that they would suffer. They wow. were really awful people and they had done that to a lot of the Jewish people. And so Jonah's sitting here saying, no way. I don't want them to experience the grace and forgiveness and mercy that I have. So instead of me going, 
here to Nineveh, which wasn't that far away, it was like Israel and Iraq. I'm going to go over to the tip of Spain instead. And he gets <laughs> on a ship. And here he is, this religious guy saying, uh, I am a prophet of the Lord God of Israel. Yeah, well, and I'm running from God. And so he, he would rather die than mm. obey God. He wanted to be the victim. I'm not going to do what you say, God. So go ahead and kill me. They throw him overboard. A fish sucks him up. And even the fish gets sick of him. <laughs> Three days in the belly of a fish. Can you imagine the smell? No. And the, I mean, yuck, you can't see your hand in front of your face. The fish, God does not want Jonah dead. He throws him up. Now he's about, scholars estimate, about 700 miles from Nineveh. And there was no Uber to take him to Nineveh. There were no Ramada Inns with some air conditioning. He had to walk it. And he had a long time to think about his attitude. It was still bad. His attitude was still bad when he hits Nineveh, runs around Nineveh for three days, saying an eight-word sermon. Basically this, you guys better repent or God's going to get you. They do repent. All of them. Every single one of them. If wow. we would have done that, we'd have people in there a year ahead of time and they'd have people ready to follow up. The jumbotrons would be up and all the stages yep. would be set. And he didn't even stay. He leaves. He's mad that God forgave them and allowed revival. That was the biggest revival the world has ever known. Mm. 120,000 people. And he wow. leaves, goes under a plant. He didn't plant. He didn't water. He didn't fertilize. And when God took that plan, he shakes his fist in God's face. And that's what a victim does. Mm. They shake their fist in God's face and say, why are you doing this to me? No book in the Bible ends the way Jonas does. Mm. It's sad. Being a victim is not a happy place to be. And nobody wants to be around you anyway. Mm. Wow. Did I make it in three minutes? You made it, Jenny. You did an amazing job. And I think the story of Jonah, true story, because the Bible is all true. Um, it's a, an excellent example of why we do not want to be in that victim circle. Jenny, thank you for being with us today. And we look forward to having you again next week. I want to thank our listeners. Thank our generous sponsors at Blue Ridge Chimney Services, Blessings Christian Bookstore, Sunshine Ministries with Christian Radio, Wishing Well Florists and Travel Services, and New Beginnings Church and Garber's Church of the Brethren. If you'd like to make a donation today to help keep Crossroads on the air, you can do so by check to Crossroads at P.O. Box 881, Harrisonburg 22803. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. To learn more about Convention of States, go to conventionofstates.com. 